0: You are listening to From Sobretty to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 140. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From So Sobretty to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. This is One of the many special episodes we're going to be rolling out this month because there's just a whole lot going on, end of the year, beginning of the new year. Obviously, for those of you who are listening linearly, you just got done listening to the episode about the baton being passed and how we're actually starting 2022 like we would start any year on December 1st, and we're ending 2021 on February 1st, thus allotting ourselves a 60-day window to begin to... Bring in these new amazing changes that we're seeking to involve into our life. The beauty of this is that New Year's resolutions are done. You don't do those anymore. You're over with that. You've already started to incorporate these changes into your life. And as I discussed in the last episode, now you know how you could literally make. May 15th to July 15th, you're beginning and creating your own new buffer. and It's it's just a beautiful, beautiful system, and I really do hope that you all adopt it. So what are we going to discuss today? I mean, Seriously, like it's everything I can do right now not to just auction off this episode because I'm just so freaking excited for it, and there's a couple reasons why. So let's breathe it in. Let's get a little bit more kinesthetic. Let's feel into this. Whoa, Goose <laughs> <laughs> I swear it's like I'm talking to everybody just chilling in front of me when I do these episodes, and I really hope that you enjoy just the casual nature that I go about <laughs> talking about these topics with you all. So let's talk about a couple of reasons why I'm super pumped about this episode. One, today is my mother's birthday, and so she was born on December sixth of nineteen fifty-five. And if I had been thinking ahead, I would have figured out the math before I turned on the microphone. But 55 would have meant that she'd have been 45 in 2000. Let's throw 21 more years onto that. And real quick, while I'm talking, I come up with 66. If I'm wrong about that, let my brain figure that out while I keep talking, and we'll see if it comes up with another number. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure 21 and 45 equals 66. So she would have been 66 today. And Um, that's pretty remarkable to think that that is where she would have been. And it's sad that I lost her on February 14th of 2007. Um, This year was the 14th year that she has been gone. And it's so much about that woman created the man that I am today. And also so many things about her. Um, didn't create the man I am today. And I've been able to really take a step back and and understand the good aspects that I can take from that relationship with her. And then the aspects that are less desirable that I can move through and move beyond. And it's just a wonderful, beautiful opportunity to celebrate her day today. And so happy birthday, Mother. I I love you. And 66 years you would have been, and it's uh, unfortunate that that's not the way that it played out. It is what it is. I suppose is is the best way that I can come up with that. Sixty five minus fourteen is sixty one. Fifty one. So she passed away when she was fifty one. So, and now you guys know how I do math in my head, but out loud. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Another reason why I'm super pumped about this episode is, and we're going to be bringing mother back into this not too long from now, so don't worry, this is not the last you will hear of her, is I went to a Celebrate Recovery meeting on last Thursday, and I've never been to a celebrate recovery meeting. New into Huntsville. I want to get tapped into the sobriety and recovery community here. I've already started looking into uh, various AA meetings. I found Smart Recovery. I found another one that's Buddhist based, but not Refuge. So that was really interesting. And so I've got those on the calendar for the next week or two. Um, not because I'm necessarily planning on attending them regularly, but because I want to get a little taste and, and I want to experience what they're like, and perhaps I integrate them in on a regular basis, and and perhaps I don't. But I will definitely go back to Celebrate Recovery because it was very interesting. Uh, One, I have not been in a room where the name Jesus was said as many times as I was that night. It must have. Been, I mean, it's it's in a church and it's Christian base, so it is what it is. And I enjoy the heck out of it. I'm not a religious person. You guys know that about me. If you've made it to episode 140, then you certainly have heard me reference God and Jesus plenty of times. But also in the fact that I don't necessarily read the Bible or follow any specific religious sect as much as I just have a spirituality about me and for those of you who do whatever you want to do, right? We've said that a million times over. There's infinite ways to enjoy and and embrace sobriety and recovery, and I hope that you're all doing it exactly the way that you want to do it so that every single day you get to wake up and experience how amazing life can be when you wake up sober. So when I go to celebrate recovery and I listen to the way people talk about their recovery around Jesus and everything, it's super awesome just to be able to Experience another aspect of it. And one of the things that really took me aback, and I had not heard it referenced in this way, so it felt new to me. Whether it was new to me or not, it felt new to me. And and this is what felt new to me. When you go in for the initial hour of it, it is in a bigger room, and everybody's in there. And then uh, a couple people introduce, and then a woman comes up and sings, and then some other people talk. And then after the first hour, you go into a room, uh, men and women separate, and that's where they share. Now, the coolest thing that I heard them talking about was they. it wasn't just that... God was helping them overcome alcohol and drug addiction. They would say other things like you know God has helped me through nicotine or through sugar. And one of the things that all the people who got up and spoke said that I found very intriguing was that they would talk about what they were struggling with in in the current time, right? Everyone there had some level of sobriety under their belt and they didn't tell me how much time they had. Um they just let it be known that they're here and they're sober and that's what they're doing. But one of the cool things was that they would get up and they'd say, well, I'm struggling with control issues, or I'm struggling with uh, porn, or I'm struggling with narcissism, or I'm struggling with anger or jealousy, or uh, I'm, I'm struggling, whatever. It would just be like, they would say that there. it wasn't just that they were in sobriety and recovery and seeking ways through and into recovery from alcohol and drugs, it was actually like, hey, there's all these other addictions that I have too, and I'm also ready to release them. And I've talked about that before, but what was new to me was hearing other people talk about it that way. And one of the ways it was talked about was about the masks we wear, which is why this episode is going to be titled something around the masks we wear. Because they would talk about how, like, I'm wearing a mask of anger, or I'm wearing a mask of self-control, or I'm wearing a mask of control, or ambivalence, or stress, or anxiety. And they would talk about wearing these masks and basically hiding behind them so that other people wouldn't really know what was going on in their life, so they wouldn't have to actually look in the mirror and face what was going on in their life and it was so cool to hear it discussed in an open forum like that because i don't know if i've discussed masks before i'm not really sure i'd ever realized that i could organize it around that term and so super pumped about diving into that. And whenever I got into the opportunity to talk, I remember being like, huh, well, I guess some of the masks that I'm either wearing right now or have worn recently would be like um, deceit or deception or uh, fear or uh, trepidation or confusion, right? And it was an opportunity to frame my emotions around them being something that I would wear in the moment and I'd be able to take them off and put other ones on. And and we're going to get there and I'm not really sure how I'm going to get there. And I've got a lot of show notes and I way over researched this and it it turned into this whole thing, but it's going to be called the mask we wear because I can't help but believe that out there we're all wearing masks that are at times covering up what's really going on in our lives. And we think we need to wear these masks because we either won't accept ourselves the way we really are to ourselves in front of the mirror or in our own minds. Um, And definitely we wear masks around other people so that they don't necessarily know the the pain we're in or what's really going on in our life. Uh, For me and my sister, we had this saying back in the day that nobody likes an unhappy mogul. And whether that was true or not, we certainly screwed it in deep enough that it became a limiting belief that we had to always be happy in front of other people because no one would want to be our friends if we weren't happy. Now, I don't honestly believe that was true then, and I definitely don't think it's true now but i believed it to be true then and that's what's important because it was in my inability to open myself up emotionally to the people closest to me that i actually built these incredibly tall sophisticated walls around myself that no matter how much people tried to break through they weren't going to be able to figure out the game they weren't going to be able to master how to work their work themselves through my walls because heaven forbid, they might get to the other side and realize that I have pain, I have trauma, I have sadness. So I built these sophisticated walls to keep people out, but it also locked me in. And in doing so, I missed out on amazing opportunities to have deep, meaningful relationships with my girlfriends and lovers and, and, and my best friends and my boys and my dudes or you know anyone that might come about. They just weren't allowed in. Now in sobriety and recovery, obviously I don't want to be building up these walls. I, I want to allow people in. I, I just want to be able to look at myself in the mirror and allow myself in sometimes. I want to be able to look at myself and not pass judgment to embrace the little four-year-old and eight-year-old and 12-year-old and 18 and 25 and 31. and I want to be able to embrace all these versions of myself because everything I experienced led me to who I am today. And as much as I think I would have loved to have been Bob Costas or Al Michaels or John Madden, the fact of the matter is I became who I am through my experiences that I was always, I don't necessarily believe that we're pre-fated to have everything that's occurred in our lives, but I definitely believe that my soul chose these um, conflicts, that chose these hardships, chose some idea of me needing to overcome what I have to become who I am today in order to fulfill this mission of this go around for my soul. And then in the next life, I will choose another and choose another and choose another. And you don't have to believe in in reincarnation for you to get on board with the idea that we put ourselves through certain it's almost like we put ourselves through certain problems in our life to overcome them because it's in those experience points that we truly understand the depths of of the strength and the courage that we have within ourselves. And to me, going through the hardships is what has given me the experience points, much like a video game where first you gotta go slay a bunch of, you know, little critters jumping out of bushes, because if you get enough experience points, you can buy the better sword and then you can slay the evil master at the end of the level. A la Zelda from back in the day. And so whew, without the experience, how would I know how good life can be now? and since there isn't a time machine and i can't go back to the summer of 1994 and talk to myself and tell myself not to do all the the acid and not to do all the cocaine i am just who i am so let's embrace who i am now because the challenges that i went through have made me stronger and so when we when we envelop this around this idea of the masks that we wear we want to step into a space where we understand that wearing masks that deceive ourselves or others of what's really going on in our lives is doing not only a major disservice to ourselves in that moment, but it's doing a major disservice to our life journey, to our soul's journey, to where we ultimately will evolve into. And I want us to dive into the masks that we wear because as we harness the power of passing the baton. And we've now increased our window of opportunity to make radical changes and shifts in our life instead of it just being on January 1st, which like we said last week was always ridiculous to put that much pressure on ourselves for one day. Now we've given ourselves 60 days to really embrace the changes that we want to occur in our lives. So what would be some challenges or barriers that would hold us back from that? What would be some of the unconscious kickbacks that we would have over the course of the next 60 days that would cause us to revert back to our old ways, that would cause us to convince ourselves that this new life that we've been daydreaming about um, isn't attainable or isn't worth it or whatever limiting belief we want to attach to it, it's bullshit. It is worth it. It does matter. And it is worth fighting for. Because we dreamed it. We thought about it enough to set a day to actually make the change for it to happen. Just because we've extended out the day into 60 days doesn't make it any less important. Nobody wins a race by taking one step. Why do we think that we can change everything on one day? so when we start to think about the challenges that will cause us to want to, to revert and not even necessarily want to revert but to rationalize the reverting that the unconscious mind naturally wants to magnetize us toward the unconscious mind is is, is a mechanism the brain uses to trance us out to help, help us go through the motions so we don't have to think about every little decision we make every day if you had to relearn how to tie your shoes or how to Turn a doorknob, or how to use a paring knife to cut a pear. It would be exhausting. Your your brain wants to habituate certain behaviors. Fuck. It wants to habituate all your behaviors. It wants everything to be a pattern, because then it's expending less energy and it can keep its alert up for the saber-tooth cat that might eat it. (laughs) Because you guys might think 20, 30,000 years is a long time, right? And so surely our brains have evolved past hearing a twig snap and thinking that there's a predator in the bush, but it hasn't. In fact, it was only a couple hundred years ago where you could actually find yourself on the wrong end of a weapon pretty easily and the person who did it to you probably wouldn't find themselves on the right end of the law. Hell, the Old West, whether it was really the wicked, awesome West that the movies had portrayed it to be, still was a little lawless. and That wasn't too long ago. Hell, the Industrial Revolution was fraught with peril. So we're not that far away from needing to be aware of a twig snapping or a doorknob turning while we're inside our house and being worried about what's getting ready to happen to us. It's only been relatively recently that we've been able to really reel in the imminent dangers that humankind used to face on a regular basis. So as we wonder about how the brain's going to evolve and, and, we, and we get the idea, and we've talked about this so many times, you already know that the brain wants to habituate everything. Look at your life. I mean, it's, it's just a stream of unconscious habits. Everything from the way you put on your shoes, to the way you put on a shirt, to the way you take off a shirt, to the order in which you brush your teeth and go to the bathroom and shave or shower, what body parts you you loofah first versus when you put the shampoo on. I mean, the whole freaking thing is unconscious habits. So when we want to make massive change in our life, we want to be aware of the habits that we've already created that are going to be potentially barriers to us achieving this awesome goal. And so then when we start to look at ourselves and say, okay, well, what am I going to do that could cause this? It, when we start to frame it around these masks that we wear, we realize that it's in this facade that we've allowed ourselves to see in the mirror or this facade of, of who, we've, who we've convinced other people we are, that this is actually a barrier to becoming this newer, better, stronger version of ourselves. I mean, think about this. If you want to actually change the way that you talk with your spouse, your partner, right? And you want to start to be more open to the communication and let them say things that you don't necessarily agree with, but you don't get triggered by, right? But if you wear this mask of basically, let's just say capitulation or, um, where you just people pleasing, let's, let's use that word because I'm not sure I use capitulation correctly. Um, I'm not going to Google it right now because I'm in a flow. So let's say it's people-pleasing. Well, if you're always people-pleasing and your partner says something that you don't agree with and you just nod your head and smile and let it go, then you're not stepping into honest, loving, open, vulnerable communication. Because honest, loving, vulnerable communication actually does mean that at times you don't agree, that you won't always see eye to eye. And that's okay. But muting your voice is not okay. Not speaking your truth is not okay, because when you start to mute your truth, at some point you're going to explode. But not only that, but surely the person, especially your partner, is going to realize that at some point they're going to realize you're muting your voice, right? And if you're muting your voice, will that cause them to mute theirs, or will that cause them to steamroll you? But either way, you're not moving toward open, honest, vulnerable communication. So if you wear the mask of people-pleasing, you're actually causing yourself much strife, much great hardship. And so when you say, I want to be more open to communication and allow my partner to say things I don't necessarily agree with and not let it trigger me to be angry, then you're wearing the mask of people-pleasing. It doesn't work. Not getting angry at something they said doesn't just mean nodding your head and smiling and acting like you condone. That's not growing the relationship. It's actually stagnating the relationship. And we can come up with just infinite, infinite hypothetical situations where these masks I'm getting ready to discuss with you will come into play. Now, before, well, I mean, I guess I would say before I get too deep into this, and here we are 21 minutes in, I mean, let's face it, we're already in the thick of it. So let's go over a couple of things that I discovered during my research. Uh, first and foremost, out of nowhere, for some reason, my brain decided that it wanted to listen to the song Game Master while I discovered, uh, while I basically thought up uh, all of this show. And I love this song, Game Master. It's by a, a, a band called Lost Tribe. And if you go over to Spotify or YouTube, whatever you listen to music on, and you type in Lost Tribe Game Master, there's a lot of different versions of this song. And it's beautiful, and it's definitely trancy. So um, if you're not into trance, just taste it. Just taste it, okay? But there's a really awesome um, couple. There, this whole thing is beautiful. I love this song. But there's this line there's a couple lines in here it goes perhaps you are aware of those who watch over your home and experience it as a place to visit and play with reality you are becoming aware of yourself as a game master and back in my lsd days uh, when i would be full on trolling which is rolling and tripping at the same time i would listen to this song so many times because i i got it into my mind that it's like i want to create a place. I want to create a home where people can come and visit and they can play with reality and they can become aware that they are a game master, that they are creating their reality, that whatever it is they're experiencing and feeling and and thinking and, and, and however they're acting, like they're creating their reality. Now, of course, I've released the hallucinogenics, but I really do believe that this show has become this metaphorical home where those of you who watch over it, right? Those of you who attend these sessions, those of you who come to this podcast to learn and grow and experience, you you are now watching over my home and you're experiencing it as a place to visit and play with reality. What is your reality? Are you happy with what you think your reality is? Where are you ready to make shifts in your thinking and your feelings so that your actions and results can bring you to a more desirable reality? And you are your own game master. We all have been all along. One of my tribe members, we went through some tough stuff over the weekend and he brought it to the tribe. He brought it to our Voxer channel so we could all discuss it and and, and you know support and you know got a couple months of sobriety and recovery in and there was a lot of craving and there was a lot of this uh, internal gymnastics in the mind of saying, you know, maybe I can drink, maybe I can't, should I drink, should I not drink, right? Like I can only he didn't dive into it as deeply as he could have in the channel because it would have probably taken him 40,000 words to really paint the picture for us. But we've all gone through something similar where we sit there and try to rationalize, are we going to stay in this? Are we going to bow out and go back to the way we used to be? And my response back was that this is a necessary part of what it is that's going on in your life, that this is exactly what you want to be experiencing. In fact, I'm not even going to try to just guess what I said. I'm going to actually pull this up on Voxer real fast. And excuse me. Um, Let's see. Here's something I wrote. This spike you felt yesterday, it's going to happen. It's part of the process. I'd go as far to say a necessary part of the process of addiction. of The process I'm referencing here is sobriety to recovery. I'd go as far to say it's a necessary part of the process because it's in these spikes you gain resiliency and fortitude experience points that will come in very handy down the road when life sucker punches you and the unconscious mind wants to go back to what feels normal. So and then let me, let me just finish this. Why not? Embrace your experience from yesterday. It had to happen and will most likely happen again. And now you've experienced how to journey through it and come out the other side sober. And that, my brother, you can't pay for that kind of life experience. This is the hard work people reference. And if you decide to experience it as the wall we've all climbed, then you are now on the other side with us. And it's beautiful over here. Now, however that resonates with you, it's obviously, you know, it's an ebb and flow and I'm not in your head, I'm not in your life, but at some point we've all, you know, one of the things he mentioned when he first brought it up is that he had a lot of stress and pressure that he had to stay sober, that everyone was watching and that there's a lot of pressure on him from these external places. And whether that's right or wrong, he definitely felt it. So he's definitely putting pressure on himself right? He's got a lot of pressure. He's told all these people, he's going to be sober. He's got family and a loved one, and he's got, everybody wants this for him. So now he's got, he's put on this perceived amount of pressure. And in this pressure, it becomes stressful, which bring, evokes anxiety. And for all of us, how do we use to handle stress and anxiety? You got it. <laughs> we would use, right? So here comes stress and anxiety monsters. You know, those are masks that we wear of stress and anxiety. Because we can choose to not have anxiety, we can. You know, I know for some of you who are on medication for that, you'd want to bark and and, and disagree. We're not going to get into the depths of, of where anxiety and stress can take you over the long haul. Let's just keep it where I'm at. Is that we wear this this mask of anxiety because thinking about the future and stressing about the future gives us some level of comfort that maybe we can. Um, Maybe we can not have hardships. Maybe we can bypass the struggles that could be up ahead if we just worry and stress ourselves out about them enough. Maybe we'll figure out a solution for a problem that hasn't even come about yet. And you do this over the course of 10 or 20 years, and yeah, you're going to probably need some medication to move yourself through it right off the get-go, right? (laughs) Ultimately, we hope that you can say goodbye to the medication, but again, I'm not a doctor, so let's leave that be. My point for this is when we had this stress and anxiety, those are masks that we wear, and we can choose to take them off. We can choose to wear a mask of peacefulness. We can use to wear the mask of content. We can use to wear a mask of serenity. There's other options. Stress and anxiety are not the only options. They never were the only options, and they certainly aren't very good options, especially if they're utilized for tens and tens of years of our lives. Not good. My mom got Crohn's disease, and they say one of the primary reasons that that can happen is it can be a stress and anxiety induced disease. Now, this is what they told us in the eighties and nineties. I haven't done any research on it recently, but let's running with what we were told. My mom did have a ton of stress and anxiety; she took medication for it it would have been great to been able to be in 2021 with her and figure out other ways to handle that stress and anxiety. And over the course of time, perhaps we could have gotten her off the medication and into this place of peaceful serenity where she could just breathe into the moment, focus on what's happening now and not future pace, all of the turmoil and stress and anxiety like we always have been. So when a tribal member says he's got all this pressure coming from external sources and and then he's able to move through it, he becomes his own game master. He now is experiencing a place in his own mind where he can visit and he can play with his own reality. He can choose to no longer be stressed and instead he can choose to breathe into the moment and say, what is going on for the next five seconds? I can be sober for five seconds. I can be sober for 10. Start adding up enough of those and now you're, now you're into minutes. Add up enough minutes and now you're into it for an hour. Whatever triggered you will go. It will flow down the river. This metaphorical river where our emotions pass in front of us, we can just let them flow. Flow down the river and perhaps now there's a waterfall and there goes the negative emotion down the waterfall. All emotions pass through us like on a river down a waterfall. Some of them we just decide to ruminate on over over and over and over and over and over again but the moment that caused the emotion, it's past. It's in the remembrance. It's in the rumination that it starts to get screwed in. We can choose for it to be good emotions that we screw in, that we're able to anchor and go back to. Or we can choose to let them be negative emotions that we screw in that cause us to raise our heart rate, to to raise our anxiety, to raise our stress, to begin to question ourselves. Then the pressure comes and then the, the second guessing and then the unconscious mind says, dude, 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 I already have a solution for this. Come on, man. Come on. You know what the solution is. Let's just go play. But going back to the old way isn't an option. We obviously don't want it to be, or we wouldn't have made this decision and started taking the steps from sobriety to recovery, right? Right? Like what kind of mental gymnastics are you really wanting to play with yourself, trying to convince that the old way is better than the struggle or this, um, this uncertainty you feel right now. It's okay to have a craving come and go, it's not okay to just sit there and ram your head up against the wall over and over and over again and punish yourself for having it. Cravings are cravings. I have cravings for Oreos all the time. It doesn't mean I'm freebasing Oreos in the kitchen at three in the morning. It just means I think about Oreos, I daydream about how delicious they are, and then I look at myself in the mirror and say, Well, you've got long term fitness goals. Is freebasing a bag of Oreos really the best idea right now? Mm, no. So, as you come to my home and you experience it as a place to visit and play with your reality, the more you listen to this show, the more you embrace this neuro-linguistic programming as a way of living your life about how you can go inside your own mind and you can begin to change the way that you experience things. Because every single second of our day, 2.3 million bits of data are flying at us and our conscious mind can only g- gather a small bit. 126 out of 2.3 million. That is 0.00006%. The rest of it goes into your unconscious mind. So what you think is your reality is only 0.00006% of what you actually experienced. So when I say let's go inside of our minds and let's start to, to tinker with what it is we think we experienced, it's because we missed so much of the actual experience. This is how you come into your own home, in your mind, and you experience it as a place to visit and play with reality. When you realize that you can decide to no longer beat yourself up or hold animosity or wear the mask of anger, then you step into a place where you truly are in control of the reality that you have of your life in your mind. Because that's where your reality exists, in your mind what you think other people think of you is just in your mind. Even if they tell you what they think of you, it's never going to be 100% accurate because they are going to have their own filters that are going to hold them back from even being able to conceive what the ultimate truth is, let alone tell it to you. Man, <laughs> off the chain. I, I really hope that y'all are following this. <laughs> I feel like I need to go back and get the transcript of this and just turn it into five episodes. Um, We're doing a lot of theoretical right now. Uh, I think I'm bringing a lot of it into the structure of your reality. And I absolutely believe that we're we're ironing out some of the confusions that we might've had about what it is that we can choose to experience in our lives and and what is out of our control. Because I truly do believe everything that we experience is within our control. What's not within our control is the experiences that that are interesting Introduced to us. I can't, I can't control the experience of having a flat tire. I can't control the experience of somebody cutting me off on the road or I can't, you know, somebody, um, you know, stepping in front of me in line at the grocery store. I can't necessarily control the experiences introduced to me, but I can control how I perceive the experience in my mind, the emotions I decide to attach to it. That's within my control. So when my tribal member has this moment over the weekend and he's able to move through it, it's a celebration because we all, we need to know that we can move through these moments so that when the next moment comes, we have the strength of knowing we've already gotten through it, survived it, if you will, thrived through it. If you really want to look at it this the right way, the most desirable way, there is no right or wrong. There is just learning and evolving. So if you really want to thrive into these kind of things, right, it's really no different than going to the gym and and picking up a 25 pound dumbbell and doing some bicep curls. It might be super difficult, but now you know you can do it. And then the next time you go in the gym, maybe you tack on a couple pounds. And then six months later, you're bicep curling 50 pounds and you're thinking, damn, just six months ago, I could barely do 25 pounds releasing our old self and stepping into our new, the new version of ourselves is the same way. In order to move past who we used to be, we have to have some struggles. We have to have some strife. It's, it's, we, we have to know that we can stretch ourselves and push ourselves past what we perceived as our limitations to realize that we're actually unlimited. Whether it's a sporting team saying, you know, who struggles at the beginning of the season and all of a sudden they get on a roll and then they win the championship like the Atlanta Braves did. Or the Kansas City Chiefs that are struggling right at the beginning of the season and all of a sudden now they're starting to come into their own. They needed those struggles. They needed to know that they could overcome when the chips were down. The Georgia Bulldogs had not been pushed at all this entire season, and the first team that actually pushed them, the Alabama Crimson Tide, ultimately defeated them for the SEC championship, and I firmly believe it's because Georgia had never truly been tested, so when they finally had a really hard opponent, they weren't prepared for it. So, let's get ourselves tested now, especially the way that my tribal member was at home, with guests there, with people who could support him with things to keep his mind off of it, right? mean not a bad place to have your have- not necessarily his first major hiccup, you know was it was even a hiccup, it was just a craving right but pretty good place to have your first major craving rather than, I don't know, being on the road traveling where nobody knows you and you've got to go to a meeting at a bar and all of a sudden you're around people boozing up and your client's like, hey, want a vodka soda? And you really want to get the contract signed and you feel like, "Mm, maybe I should do that because this is for work and next thing you know, you've relapsed. I haven't ever done that, but I absolutely thought about it as being something that could happen in my life and I've got you know five years in now, so saying no, thank you is wouldn't be a problem, but you know, four years and three, 11 months ago, I was definitely worried about it. So now that I've gone off on 87 different tangents and and my goodness gracious, I hope you sitting down with a pen and a pad, you're taking notes because most of what I just said isn't even in my show notes. I've got all this stuff about the masks that we wear and I have yet to even get to it. So I'm not going to bum rush through this by any stretch of the imagination, um, but uh, well, maybe I don't ramble on any for, for another 45 minutes. What do you guys say? You, you you down for like another 20 25 minutes? Okay, we're good? Sweet. Awesome. All right, let's jump into this real quick. Beautiful. The masks we wear. So I took a little break just to get myself grounded again. And one of the beautiful things that I was thinking about during that break was that so many of you have reached out to me. Hundreds of you have reached out to me to talk about how much this show has helped and and guides you and is meant to you. And and trust me, I'm blessed for every single one of y'all. And when you reach out, it, it really truly does mean the world to me that you're willing to to take the time to do that and, you know, to express to me how much this information has helped you. And one of the reasons my mind went off and and started to really embrace the gratitude I feel towards y'all there is because I've I've been told countless times that you don't really care how long the episodes are because (laughs) you're listening to them all the way through no matter what. So this inclination that I had to Stop this one now and just move it to a part two or something like that. Um, considering how many of you have told me that you listen to them, you know, in bits and pieces as you're driving or walking or you know working around the house, whatever it may be, um, doesn't you know really matter. It's, you're going to listen to the next one regardless. So I don't feel necessarily uh, a negative uh, around going on and 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 touching upon so many things in these episodes. And, and so thank you all for, who encouraged me to just. Keep doing it the way that I'm doing it, and so let's keep doing it the way that we're doing it, and let's get into the masks that we wear so I frame this around the uh physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects because I talk about this stuff all the time, and I really do utilize this in my normal life every single day i mean it you know physical, emotional, mental, spiritual was how I started to organize my sobriety and recovery. When I first got sober because I needed a way of figuring out what it was I was going to work on at any given moment and how I was going to like begin to really embrace like, okay, this area of my life isn't working for me well. What can I do about fixing it, right? It wasn't just enough like, okay, I'm not happy with my job. Well, why? Is it because it's too physically exerting? Is it too emotional? Is it not mentally stimulating enough? Is it testing my spirituality? These things. And so um, you can go back to episode 20. I talk about PIMS. That's the the acronym for it. I'm looking through my show notes real fast to try to see if there's any other episodes where I discuss PIMS uh, a little bit long. I do start to break down parts of PIMS. Uh, episode 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43. Oh, uh, look, I get to Happy New Year at episode 44. Oh, we're almost there again. Um, so those, so you guys could go back and you could check out 37 through 43. Um, like I just mentioned, you could go back and check out episode 20 cause I have PIMS in the show notes. So I'm assuming I talked about it there and then, uh, ooh, toward versus away, we should talk about that again. I love talking about toward versus away. Um, okay. That's good. automatic negative thoughts. You should all go back and listen to automatic negative thoughts, episode 87, all the time. You should listen to it all the time. (laughs) Cause and effect, 92. That's a damn good episode too. Um, Okay. So let's move on. So we're going to frame this all around physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, because that's how I frame everything that I do in my life. Where is this helping me grow today? Physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually? And when I started to do my research for the masks that we wear, I came across this super awesome poem by an African-American poet, uh, and novelist named Paul Lawrence Dunbar, and he wrote it in 1895. And this one, when, when they were talking about masks that celebrate recovery, I have no idea if the reason why someone out there came up with the mask that we wear based off of this poem, I have no idea. Um, and it's a super cool poem, and there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of reasons why this author, Mr. Dunbar, wrote this back in 1895. It was you know, post-Civil War era and all this stuff. And so I'm not going to get into the historical context of it. That won't necessarily be where we need this episode to go, but I do like the opening lines. We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we pay to human guile with torn and bleeding hearts we smile and mouth with myriad subtleties. And what really strikes me about this is we wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. And with torn and bleeding hearts we smile. And this is where this mask that we wear, we're hiding who we really are we're hiding what's really going on in our lives and when we do that we're we're lying to ourselves we're deceiving ourselves and we're definitely deceiving and lying to the people closest to us that we love now i get that you don't necessarily want to go into work and and you know weeping willow tears streaming down your face and and showing that level of emotion in front of all of your coworkers i could see how that would not necessarily benefit you long term but when we start thinking about our loved ones and we start thinking about ourselves, you know, where we know it's a safe space to be us, to really embrace the emotions we're going through, we want to be taking off the masks, you know, going down the street and weeping or, you know, wearing masks in certain areas of our lives. Like I get, you know, can cannot even begin to tell you my old hotel job, how many times people would be like, Hey man, how you doing? I'm fine. Right? Because they're an acquaintance at best, maybe even somebody whose name I don't even know. I'm not going to stop in the middle of the hallway and be like, well, you actually want to know? This has happened and this happened and this happened. Because they're going to, like, their eyes are going to bug out of their head. They're gonna, they are not prepared for that. Right? But when you're in a, a, a when you're around someone who understands you or, or is willing to create a safe space for you, this is where the masks that we wear need to be taken off. And in fact, in front of these people, they need to be relinquished. We need to hand them over and say, I will no longer wear this mask in front of you. So let's talk about some of the masks that we could be wearing. Physical, the the main two that I got down here are glutton and sloth. Glutton, the mask that you wear where you're, you're consuming beyond the moment in which you know you're full. Or sloth, where you're laying about, not taking care of your home, your life, your relationships, your career. Are you wearing that mask? Not all masks that we're wearing are good, mind you the mask can be equally negative. They can be undesirable things. You know, are you, are you wearing the physical mask of, you know, let's say I don't like the word laziness. I think lazy is one of the laziest words in the human vocabulary. Cause I, I think that when people are doing things that others judge as lazy, there's actually, a, there's actually a real motivation inside that person for why they're not doing it. Right. Somebody might be like, oh, I'm just too lazy. I don't want to clean the bathroom. Well, if all of a sudden there was vomit all over your bathroom, I bet you'd want to clean it because you wouldn't want to have a vomity bathroom. So you're just not motivated in the moment to go scrub the toilet. But if all of a sudden black fungus starts growing around the inside of it, I bet you're a little bit more motivated. So I don't believe that people are lazy as much as they just don't have the right motivation. So are you wearing the mask of glutton or sloth? Right like for a lot of people what i heard during the main beginnings those first 3 to 6 months of covid is that it was a lot of laying around the house watching netflix all the time you know being very sloth like not doing much of anything being very glutton overeating a lot of my clients who came to me for the physical fitness growth in releasing some weight this is where they said it started right? And then all of a sudden they started wearing this mask of, you know, being okay with their new life, their new body, but they really weren't. So on your own physical body, are you wearing a mask of glutton? Are you wearing the mask of sloth? Are you hiding behind these behaviors because there's actually some pain inside of you that you haven't yet um, dove into and touched upon and, and began to heal? Being stuck inside of our houses for six months because of a pandemic would give plenty of people a reason to wear their sweatpants for six straight months, barely take showers, eat all the sugar they possibly could, and watch Netflix all day long. I mean, let's face it, Tiger King came out at the perfect time. How many people really want to watch a couple meth heads take care of tigers? Well, when you're locked inside your house for a pandemic, absolutely. Introduce me to Tiger King, please. (laughs) So... Admittedly, I watched one episode and I was like, yeah, I see where this is going. I'm good. But still, it was pretty hilarious that one episode. So ask yourself, what masks are you wearing for physical? Maybe you're wearing the mask of healthy, going around acting like you're healthy, thinking that you're healthy. And, you know, maybe you run a ton. Maybe you lift a ton of weights. Maybe you're very strict with your food. But what mask, Are you wearing over what it is you're really feeling? Is it a fear that people will judge your body, that you don't look good enough, that you're older, that you're a little saggy here and there, you're losing some hair. So you're going to, you know, overdo it on this one area of your life to try to make up for something that you have a insecurity about, right? When we wear certain masks of the over healthy guy, um, or the gluttonous or the sloth or the, you know, the super, you know, um, super into fitness, super into traveling and always wanting to be out of the house, never wanting to be alone. When we wear these masks, there's something that it's hiding. I'm not saying, I mean, look, I love counting my calories. I love hitting the gym three to five days a week, 12,000 steps a day. Sign me up. Love it. right? But I'm preparing my body at 45 for 65 and 75. I want to still be active. I want to still be able to go out and, and toss the football with my nieces and nephews. I still want to be able to go on trips and not have to be worried about, you know, not being able to walk for more than 10, 20 minutes at a time or needing to be in some sort of little motorized wheelchair. Like I want to prepare for my, my old age as well as I can at my middle age. But if I get too obsessive and it starts to cost me other areas of my life, then it's become obsessive. Then it's a mask I'm wearing. And only with self-awareness, like I talked about last week, or was that on the college show? Well, I've talked about self-awareness enough. You have to be able to step outside and realistically evaluate your life, not with judgment, but with just the care and concern that you would for anyone in your life. You want to be able to say, is this benefiting me? glutton, sloth, overhealthy, underhealthy, these are masks that we wear. And when we're wearing them, we're hiding something underneath them. So your emotional masks that you could wear, control, anger, sadness, happiness, jealousy, people-pleasing, ambivalence, stress, anxiety. When we're wearing these masks, it's because we're trying to cover something else up. Like with anxiety, it's one of the ones we learn in NLP. Anxiety comes from the idea that we're, we're, we're trying to come up with solutions for problems that haven't happened yet, but we think will, you get this anxiety about being late or you get anxiety about a test or you get anxiety about a conversation or about a report you have to do, or just anxiety about your finances and where they might be in three months. And we start to stress ourselves out over these things that haven't even happened. Think about it. You don't have anxiety and stress over things that have already happened, right? You might be angry about things that already happened, or you might be stressed out and anxiety about things that you've done that have already happened. And now the repercussions that could happen, but you no longer have anxiety about a test you've already taken. You have anxiety about the results until you get the results. And then the anxiety about the results is gone. Now you get to have anxiety about, can you repeat The results if they were good, or oh my god, I just got an F. Now you have anxiety about failing the class. But you don't have anxiety about things that are in your past. You only have anxiety about things that are in the future. Think about when you're taking a test and you're in the moment, you don't really have time to be thinking about the anxiety of question 42 when you're at question 31. You're thinking about question 31 because you're in the moment. So when you're in the moment, anxiety tends to dissipate. Because your mind is too busy focused on what's happening in the moment. This is something we can immediately take into sobriety and recovery because when you start to feel anxiety about being sober for the rest of your life, you realize you're actually just sober right now. You only need to be thinking about being sober right now and then a minute from now, you can be sober for that minute, and then the next minute, and then you just add up enough minutes that the craving and, and the whatever was happening mentally and emotionally has has now been able to dissipate. It's been able to flow down the river over the waterfall. so when you wear these emotional masks control a lot of us we want to seize control of damn near everything in our life. This is because the more control we have, the, the more we think we can bypass or um, alleviate any of the negative things that might just normally happen in life right If I have enough control over uh, the di- the way the dishwashers loaded, then all the dishes come out clean and you know it's that's that's matters that matters i I see people walk slowly across a crosswalk and i i I honestly think the reason they do it is because they lack so much control in their life, that they take the opportunity to seize control wherever they can. And in that moment, they know I want to turn right or left. So they're going to walk super slow across that crosswalk, looking at their phone the whole time. And they'll even look up at me, knowing I'm trying to turn left. This has happened in LA all the time. And it's like this, whatevs. Right? People will try to exude control. They'll bark at the deli counter worker. They'll try to cut you off in line. When They'll cut you off in the street when they're driving their car. When this happens, I realize they're wearing a mask of control because something inside of them lacks control. Anger is a mask that we wear. It could be a mask that we wear because we're technically hurt or sad or we feel rejected. So rather than showing hurt, sad, and rejected, we'll show anger. Sadness is something that obviously happens in our life. Sad things happen, but whenever you allow yourself to ruminate on the sadness for prolonged periods of time, the mask you're wearing could be to cover up that you have shame or grief or anger that the person died. Or maybe you just like it when everybody pats you on the head and asks you how you're doing because you, you're still sad and they want to support you. And you, the secondary gain you get from being sad is that you get love and support from people. But it's still a mask. Is it good or is it bad? You have to ask yourself these questions. You have to be willing to dive in and really step back and evaluate and say, is this mask serving me my highest sense of self? I do this all the time. Not in a way that it begins to bother me. I, I do it because I'm the game master. <laughs> I'm the, the freaking game master. When I learn something new about myself, I embrace it. My mind is a place for me to experience and play with reality. Why not seek ways to uplevel myself so that my reality is more positive and more um, just—it just has that vibrational energy of of, of good. Of, of, happy isn't even the word I'm looking for. It's just like fuck yeah, right? Like you just look around, and you're like, man, yeah, this is good right? Or are you wearing a mask of, of jealousy? Do you wear the mask of jealousy because you want your partner to think that you, you care a ton when maybe you don't care at all? Or do you wear the mask of jealousy because it, it hides uh, a deep emotional fear that they might um, leave you? And so anytime somebody shows them attention, you want you get jealous because what you're really trying to hide is the fear of rejection or of abandonment. What is that jealousy mask really hiding? People-pleasing, is a mask. There's a ton of people who wear the people-pleasing mask, right? Whether they think, oh, I'd like to help people. I'd like to be there for people. Well, what is that mask really hiding? I'm not saying helping people isn't a good thing, but if it's hiding a fear that if you aren't there for people and you're not giving of your time and of your energy and of your, of your emotions, that they'll turn their back on you and they'll walk, then you want to dive into that. When my sister and I thought that nobody liked an unhappy mogul, that was very people-pleasing. So we wouldn't show people our real emotions because we wanted to please them. That We wanted them to come around us and laugh and enjoy themselves, even if we were dying on the inside. Ambivalence, nonchalance. Are you wearing the mask like nothing bothers you? Whatever, I don't care. But in reality, you care a ton. You want to seize control over the situation, but heaven forbid people knew how much you actually cared. Because then they would realize you're emotionally invested. And then maybe they would take something away from you, or maybe they would watch you not succeed and not be able to achieve your dreams. And then they would, then they'd mock you or laugh, or they would talk behind your back. What is it that you're fearing, right? So better to show ambivalence, like you don't really care. So then if it doesn't go your way, you can be like, Meh. whatever, but you actually did really care. And what are you afraid of by actually caring? What is that ambivalence mask hiding? Let's talk about our mental acuity, right? Let's talk about our brain. You know, a lot of people wear the mask of lack of effort, where they they won't try very hard. And maybe it's because if they try really hard and they don't succeed, they'll have to feel like a failure. But you don't fail. You just get feedback on how not to do it or how to better do it the next time. So you wear this mask of of. Not laziness, but just this lack of effort because heaven forbid you have to admit that it really matters to you. Heaven forbid you exude a ton of brain power on something and then it, then your project gets rejected by the boss or the client doesn't sign. So, better to just half ass it so when the boss doesn't like it or the client walks away, you can say, Well, I didn't really try anyways, but if I'd have tried, I bet you I would have gotten that promotion. I would have definitely gotten that client. Just Put a thousand percent effort into it, and then if it doesn't succeed, then you know what to change next time. But you wear this mask of 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 lack of effort, and it's really hiding. Uh, what is it hiding for you? A fear that you won't succeed if you put a hundred percent effort into it. You'll you'll succeed you'll be closer to success by putting in 100% of effort. And even if you don't get to what you thought you'd gotten to, you'll be a lot further along than had you done it half-assed. Another mental exercise mask that people wear is the one of trance, not paying attention to what is happening in the moment and being lost in thought or going through the motions, right? We'll, We'll get tranced out on our phone because heaven forbid we just you know, sit there in a public place and just look around. What is that person standing there? What is, honey, honey, why, why is that weirdo just sitting on a bench just looking around, looking up in the branches? Are they looking at birds? Why is that weirdo looking at birds? They should be staring at their phones like everybody else. Like, <laughs> screw you. I'm going to stare at the birds. <laughs> I'm going to look around. I'm going to put my phone in my pocket and I'm not going to hide behind the mask of I'm so special and I'm so busy that I always have to be on my phone I'm just going to sit there and I'm just going to watch the world go by and just embrace the moment and the beauty of the birds singing and the squirrels running around and gathering nuts for the winter, right? What mask are you hiding behind when you stare at your phone, when you go through life in trance mode? A couple other masks that people wear when it comes to their mental acuity is knowing it all, right? They got to act like they know everything because heaven forbid somebody sees a chink in their armor. I have, a, I have I know someone who they, they just cannot, they cannot even begin to express or admit that they don't know something. They will argue that the sun rises in the west till they're blue in the face because heaven forbid you tell them that they're wrong they're hiding behind a mask, something happened in their life where they were chastised for not being right, and they just do not want to ever feel that again. So they will they will argue till they're blue in the face that the sky isn't blue. And conversely, there are people who will wear the mask of not knowing anything, because they don't want to be responsible, they don't want to have to answer questions, they don't want anyone to turn to them for leadership, because heaven forbid, if what they offer in that leadership opportunity doesn't pan out, the way the receiver of the information wanted it to. And now maybe they want to come back and blame you. And now maybe they want to, to, to bring strife into your life. So better to act like you know nothing and not have to take on any of the perceived pressure of offering advice or help because then you alleviate any opportunity you have of somebody coming back and telling you that what you offered them wasn't good enough. So let's hide behind the mask of not knowing anything or not knowing or not knowing something in that moment, because it's better to act like you know nothing now than to be chastised for thinking you knew something later. What about our spirituality, our morals, our ethics, our values, right? I mean, are we hiding behind these, these, these masks of being morally upright when we know on the back end, when no one's watching, we're not living a morally beautiful life, we hold hold on to these morals, ethics, and values, and we act like we live by them. And in reality, we're acting completely different behind closed doors. We see this crap happen all the time with like celebrities and politicians, especially politicians. The ones who get up and they rail against something. And then we find out on the back end, they're doing exactly what they're railing against. They're wearing a mask. Right. I almost feel like the louder somebody shouts against something, the more likely in their life they're doing it. And I'm not saying that's a hundred percent, you know, effective that idea. I'm not saying that it works across the board. But when I see somebody like literally losing their freaking mind over something, the more I think you've done it in the past, or you are currently doing it, or people you know have done it, and you're trying to somehow deflect attention away from you by screaming about it in a public forum. Politicians have definitely done this, and I guarantee you, you know someone in your life who has railed against something morally or ethically or values-related and it turns out that they actually were a part of what they were trying to rail against. And that's that's a mask, the mask they wear, right? There was a politician, I think he was from Minnesota a long time ago, who would rail against homosexuality. And then he got busted in like a bathroom at an airport trying to pick up dudes in a stall or something like that. I didn't Google that to know, I don't know if he's really from Minnesota, but I swear if you were to Google politician gets arrested for trying to pick up dudes in an airport bathroom, <laughs> it would show up and this guy would get on a pulpit and scream horribleness about homosexuality and then it turns out he's trying to pick up dudes in a bathroom it's like, oh, you were wearing the mask because you were, like, heaven forbid anyone see who you really are I'm just like, you know, that it, what really sucks about that one is you negatively affect other people's lives because you just aren't comfortable with who you actually are It's like, what if you just stopped and took a breath and realized, you know what, I don't need a rail against this. In fact, why don't I just take off my mask and those who want to support it will support it. And those who don't want to support it won't support it. Right. And just be okay with it. Um, I was able to do this real fast. Yep. Larry Craig was a, uh, United States Senator from Idaho and he got busted in the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport for uh, trying to pick up dudes or something like that, right? And so... (laughs) It's like this guy with I remember the story, I'm not going to sit here and read it for you it's all while well, I'm trying to do a show, but I just remember like the hilarity I thought of this, like this guy rails against homosexuality, then he gets busted in a bathroom in an airport trying to pick up dudes, which does not seem like a very smart place to do that at <laughs> all. It's an airport, I mean it's busy. It's, it's not, you're not going to have privacy. So anyways, morals, ethics, values. What mask are you wearing trying to act like you have morals and ethics and values in one area of your life when in reality you have the complete opposite? Integrity, humility, gratitude, do you are you wearing a mask of integrity but you're actually doing dishonest deeds? Do you wear the mask of humility but you're actually quite hubris? Do you wear a mask of great of gratitude but you're actually quite ungrateful? I've worn all these masks. I've done things that were dishonest. How I've done dishonest things in my sobriety and recovery right i've stepped out of my integrity humility and gratitude triumvirate and i've and i've done things that i've looked back on and not been proud of and then i've made a decision right there that if i don't like the way that it feels once i won't do it again right it's like you had to learn how not to do it in order to embrace how i was going to do it moving forward and we're not going to be done talking about masks for the rest of this month or ever. I'm going to continue to bring them up, but I am going to stop talking and let this episode digress and, and let you get back to your life or to the next episode as it were. But what I really want to make sure that I summarize as we wrap this episode up is that as we discuss these masks, whether they're good or bad, I I have no, no energy to judge yours at all. I don't have energy to judge mine. When I look at myself in the mirror and I ask myself, who am I being today? Who am I opening myself up for in this moment so that I can create the best version of myself right now and I can enjoy the fruits of my labor in the future? It's it's very important to me that I'm maneuvering through this life in a way that I can one day look back and say, man, I'm really grateful for past Jesse's effort because I'm really enjoying the fruits of the labor now. I look back and I think, man, past Jesse got me a college education. He stayed in college. He learned a ton of cool stuff that I use all over the place now in my life. I, he, you know, I was able to uh, survive all of those drug and, and alcohol induced blackouts and survive and come out the other side without, you know any felonies on my record. Hooray for that dude. All right. I have my college degree. I moved to Los Angeles. Past Jesse got me into improv and stand up and news. And I, I did the TV thing for a couple years. I mean, I traveled around on a motorcycle for, for a whole summer, spreading my mom's ashes for the five-year anniversary of her passing. I did some amazingly cool, I've seen over a thousand concerts. I mean, past Jesse has done a great damn job. And in the areas where he hasn't done such a great job, I'm, I'm kind and I'm gentle and I'm loving to that version of me. Because that version of me was also the same version of me that allowed me all those amazing experiences. Yeah, he was a little too drunk most of the time. Yeah, he wasn't paying attention to his loved ones as well as he could have been. Yeah, he wasn't studying as often as he as he also could have been. But could, should, and would are blaming words, and I and I and I seek to release that and embrace the version of me now that sees the quote-unquote error of my ways and is looking to alleviate um, any negative associations I have with that version of myself and to heal. and and to move through and move beyond that version of me, that that undesirable version of me, but at the same time embracing the desirable aspects that he brought into my life. I am blessed, blessed to still be walking, because I've had at least six head traumas that should have left me in a wheelchair, and in some cases dead. I am blessed to be here. I am blessed to be able to get on this microphone and share what I learn and and to talk about sobriety and recovery in the way that I do with y'all. And I am blessed that you listen and you care and you step up in your own lives. I am just blessed through and through and through. And I want you all to be able to take off your masks as often as I seek to take off mine and to be able to look at who we really are and then just ask ourselves, is this person still serving me? Is this mask serving me? Is it serving me sometimes at work where people don't need to know everything, but am I also wearing it home where I should take it off and really just be me, right? Figure out where in your life you're wearing a mask and where in your life it's no longer serving you. And then step into that version of yourself who's ready to just be bare and naked and vulnerable in front of those people that you love and especially do that in front of yourself. The meanest person to you is you, and it's happening in your mind. You have a chance to be your game master. Step into your home and experience it as a place to experience. I'm going to say experience like 17 times, but experience your mind as a place to visit and play with reality. You watch over your own home all the time. And you know those moments when you felt in flow, when you felt like everything in your life, at least in that moment, at the very least in that moment, you're like, oh my God, I'm in flow. Like everything just feels like riding the most beautiful wave. You in that moment were the game master. Step back to that experience and ask yourself, what was it you were doing that created that moment in your life. And now let's replicate that today. So every day you can visit and play inside your own mind. You control your reality. You control how you perceive the world around you. You do not control what happens in front of you, but you absolutely control how you internalize it in your mind. And that will create new actions and results when you make it desirable. When you make your thoughts and feelings become those that increase the actions and results that bring you to your highest sense of self, boom, shakalaka. That's the game master. Take off those masks. I promise you, You you're beautiful without them. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every single day we wake up sober is the best fucking day of our lives. Shout out to sunshine. Glow on. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.